why did the football coach went to the back? You guys know what? To get the quarterback. <laughs> this is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. On Monday, we started the show. I was pretending like I was on Radio Row in L.A. at the Super Bowl. A little crowd noise in the background. I think I have that. Hold on. Where do I have that saved? Uh, crowd noise right here. Hold on. Uh, let me let me pot it up. So, so we had this vibe going on, right? Hear people in the background. Sounds like we're at some convention center doing a show. Right, so on Monday, we were having a little fun with Radio Row. Last night, I posted a video basically just impersonating any interview and any segment that's talked about on Radio Row. Most of them are very bad because they're people that you forgot existed or people you've never heard of and they're peddling products or services that you don't care about. I've been ripping on Radio Row a little bit. Something I noticed today and I just posted the dumbest picture montage I think you could post on my Twitter at Wisco Grant. You ever notice that every interview on the set of radio shows, Radio Row, the guest has the legs crossed and not just casually, but like leg crossed. And then I'm going to grab my shin and pull it to my chest like I like I'm stretching like 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 the magic butt stretch that runners do before they go where you lay down. You know, like I'm bringing this all the way up to my chest. Radio Row just seems like a fascinating place. I feel like I'm an anti radio row. Maybe I'm jealous. Maybe it's just Bill Michaels didn't want to take me. Fine. Fine. I'll own that. Uh, but Radio Row, I just, I, I, I can't figure this place out. I'm obsessed with it. I can't stop thinking and talking about it. Again, you can find all this in my Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Not on Radio Row, although I could pot up some crowd noise, but what's the point? We're in the studio. Business as usual this week. We're talking about our teams, our Wisconsin teams. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope you've had an excellent day. Uh, I was excited this morning because I saw it was 40 degrees outside, so I was like, oh, I'll go get a run in, get some fresh air. Haven't got many 40-degree days this winter so far. And then God decided to just say, hey, Grant, screw you. Uh, It's going to rain today. So think twice about enjoying any time outside. So I've been holed up. Been reading a lot about the NBA trade deadline. Oh, I am am consumed. I am all in on rumors and salary cap breakdowns and salary matching for the deadline. Tomorrow is the deadline. We're actually not going to talk about it much today. Tomorrow, yes. I've been promoting it since Monday because I'm amped. Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network, is going to be here tomorrow at 4.30. So we're going to go NBA Lounge. Should we double up on the NBA Lounge tomorrow? Big trade deadline special. And then we'll jump right into Justin, who will be here at 4.30. We're going to talk about some Bucks-related things. I don't think they're making any moves. The Bucks are in a tough spot trying to make moves because all of their guys are either maxed out salary-wise or they make like a million dollars doesn't really give you a lot of flexibility to make moves because you have to match the money in any deal you make. It's it's very similar, like if you play cribbage, it's very similar to try to score um, during the pegging portion of the game, right? It would be like having all aces and all tens or face cards. There's not much you can do. You don't have much flexibility. Whereas if it's at the end of the game and you don't think you're going to get to the hand counting portion, you're trying to wrap it up, I'm going to keep, I might keep a 10, but I'm also going to keep a seven I'm going to keep a four and then maybe a two and a three. And I'm going to try to score pegging that way. That's like the NBA 
trade system. You need lots of varying salaries to try to make the money match. The Bucks just don't have any. They have all tens. They have face cards and they have aces. They have players that make a million dollars and then players that make thirty million, and that's tough. So I don't expect any big deals from the Bucks, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. The NBA as a whole and some Bucks topics with our good friend Justin Garcia today. I want to do a lot of Badgers, a little bit of Bucks. And Perry Goldstein's going to be here at 4.30 from Cheesehead TV to talk Packers. The first time we've talked since the wildcard round of the playoffs. So last time Perry and I connected on the show, it was to preview Packers Niners. Uh, (laughs) I was hoping to have her on the next week to talk about the NFC Championship game, but we all know that didn't happen. So a little Packers, but a lot of Badgers. They had a big win last night, and the Bucks had a really fun win as well. So that's what we're going to talk about today. You can join me on the phone. Send me a text or give me a call, 608-796-2558. As I said, you can find me on Twitter and all of my anti-Radio Row content at Wisco Grant. And more importantly, you can follow me there and and tweet me during the show if you want to be part of the show. Last two days feel a little bit like we were running on fumes. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes there's not that much to talk about. And it's a a stretch. Really have to try hard and think hard of topics and points to make because sometimes there's not that much going on. And I like the Bengals. I like the Rams. But, I mean, do we want to break down... Sean McVay's career trajectory until this point. I really don't. It doesn't really fit the show. And you'd only talk about and relive the Packers-Niners game so much. But then last night we got the Bucks. Oh, my God, they beat the Lakers. And the Lakers suck, but it's fun to beat the Lakers. And it's entertaining, and that's a sexy story. And the Bucks look great, so we can talk about that. And then the Badgers won in East Lansing. The 14th-ranked team in the AP visiting the 17th-ranked team. They haven't won in East Lansing with a crowd since 2004. Now, they won there last year, but there were no fans, so you count that or not. I don't know what team we should start with, Badgers or Bucks. So I thought we'd do, we'd flip a coin. So I have a coin here. I'm going to assign heads to the Bucks and tails to the Badgers, and whichever we flip, we will start the show with that team. All right, there we go. All right, let's go Badgers. This will be fun. We've started with the Bucks the last couple of days. Let's, let's go Badgers. I think that's what the universe wanted. Awesome. It's funny because I actually have a lot less to say about the Badger game than I do the Bucks game which seems backwards. It's fun to watch Giannis beat LeBron and talk about the Lakers who were a big story, but it's a regular season game. It's February. That doesn't mean a whole lot. It hardly, Honestly, it hardly means anything. Now, the Badgers going into East Lansing and winning at Michigan State, beating Tom Izzo and the Spartans on their home floor, now that's that matters, right? So you should be able to talk a bunch about that. I should be able to go for hours on that win. Well... I wrote down about a half a page of notes for the Bucks, and I really only wrote a few words on the Badgers. In fact, last night, because there were so many games, we watched the Badger game, and then we watched Illinois-Purdue, and then the Bucks were starting up, so I watched that, and then I went up to my bedroom and watched the second half in bed because I'm, I'm a lazy pile. So I watched like three or four full games last night. And around 9.30, 9.45, I had to keep reminding myself, Grant, get excited. Get fired up. The Badgers won in East Lansing. Why Why? Why is that not in the front of your mind? Why are you not going nuts right now? Well, you know what? That win seemed pretty run-of-the-mill, didn't it? Like, did that win surprise you? Did you walk away from that game last night thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe the Badgers just won that game? No. It seemed pretty routine. It seemed pretty, oh, yeah, Badgers are good. Oh, yeah. This would be a Badgers team to go into East Lansing and win. That doesn't mean it's not significant. That doesn't mean it's not important for their seeding and for their chase in the Big Ten title. That's huge, especially with Illinois getting clapped by Purdue last night, especially in the second half. It's important. I just, it, 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 that seemed routine, seemed normal, didn't it? The Badgers went into Mackey 
and one at Purdue just a couple weeks. I think it was two weeks ago today. First time that's happened since 1963 that they've won both at Purdue and at Michigan State in the same year. That's so long ago that the Breslin Center and Mackey Arena, they didn't even exist at the time. They were different buildings. So the Badgers are going on the road this year. They're beating good teams on the road. That last night wasn't surprising. That seemed very normal, even though it shouldn't seem normal. But that's the kind of Badgers team that this is. Now, I also watched the end of Arkansas hosting Auburn. Auburn's the number one team in the country right now. Jabari Smith might be the, the top overall pick, right? Bruce Pearl, the must-bus coach Muscleman, right? So this is, this is an interesting game, and it came down to the wire. It was a great finish. And after the game, Arkansas upsets Auburn. They, they storm the court, and they're talking to Muss on the sideline, off to the side. He, his arm was in a sling, so they had to get him out of the mass of people. And he said, hey, we expected to win this game. We ex- but we came out here, we expected to win this game. We expected to knock off number one Auburn in our building, even though we're not very good, and even though we're not ranked. We expected to win that game. That's a coaching cliche that I think you hear quite a bit. You always hear after a big win, you hear a coach say, hey, we never doubted it. We knew we were going to win today. We, we planned for this all along. It's a coaching cliche, and you hear it a lot, and it's probably overdone, but truly, I think that's how the Badgers are wired. I think that's how the Badgers play. They go on the road, and they're a little bit delusional. I've used that word as a positive with this Badgers team really all the way back. I remember first thinking this with the Marquette game, so this would have been in early December, right? I remember watching them against Marquette and thinking, I'm not sure that this Badgers team is very good, uh, but I don't think anybody told them that because they play like they think they're the best team in the country, and that's a really, really important mindset for going into Mackey Arena and winning or going into the Breslin Center and winning in East Lansing. Doing both of those things in the same year hasn't been done since the early 60s. This team has the appropriate mindset, a little bit delusional, to go and win on the road. And that's why last night I I almost forgot that they won this game an hour later. I I just, oh yeah, run of the mill, sure. Doesn't surprise me at all. Greg Card after the game talking about why the Badgers, especially in offense, are having so much success on the road. They understand each possession is valuable, especially when you're on the road, you want to hold the momentum, uh, do what you can do to keep the crowd out of it. And uh, I thought, like I said, all in all, everybody did a good job of following the plan that we had worked on for the last day or so. Every possession is so valuable, especially in Big Ten when the scoring is pretty low. Now, it wasn't the slugfest that was the game against Penn State a couple of days ago, but still defensive game, low-scoring game, although the Badgers did score 70. That's on the road against Michigan State. That's pretty freaking good. Damn. Valuing every possession, knowing how important every dribble and every shot is, making smart decisions, not turning the ball over. It's funny because I have the box score in front of me right now, and I I love doing this, so maybe this annoys you when you hear me do this, but if you told me last night that Brad Davison was going to shoot 2 of 10 and only have 8 points, and Johnny Davis was only going to score 25, and Tyler Wall was going to score 11, and their bench was only going to give you 9 points, in East Lansing, I would have said, ah, I don't think they win that game. 25 for Johnny, that's pretty good. But you're basically getting nothing from Brad Davison. Uh, you're getting 10 from Tyler Wall, which is solid, but that, that's not going to be enough. That's not going to be enough. Well, it's the way in which Johnny Davis scored his 25. And to be honest, the way in which Chucky Hepburn scored his buckets and the way in which Tyler Wall scored his points, these buckets meant more. They were weighted more, and that's why they didn't need huge volume from multiple players or really even a crazy great performance from Johnny Davis because everyone was so efficient, and I think that's the big takeaway from last night. Two players really impressed me. 
One was Johnny Davis. That's not a surprise. The other one was Chucky Hepburn. Let's start with Johnny Davis. And this is a player that I love. I've loved for years. I watched him in high school. I love Johnny Davis. I don't know if I'll ever love a Badger as much as I have loved watching Johnny Davis this year. Right? You could feel the south side of lacrosse last night, by the way. just You could just feel it. It was just popping with the finish and with the second half that Johnny Davis put together. He's been good throughout this season. We've obviously talked about him. He's a player of the year candidate, especially early on. But the last couple of games, not as good. Now, the scoring has still been there. It hasn't been as great, but the scoring has still been there. The thing is, against Penn State, he shot 2 of 13. And against Illinois, he shot 5 of 19. And against Nebraska, a couple weeks ago, he shot 5 of 12. And against Michigan State, the first time around, 8 of 20. Right? 4 of 18 against Ohio State, even though they won that game. Johnny Davis, for the last uh, three weeks, a little bit less than a month, has been really inefficient. Now, he's doing a lot of other great things. He plays great defense, and he gets loose balls. Every loose ball in crunch time last night, Johnny Davis coming out of nowhere, just eating it up, securing possessions, right? Valuing possessions, and that's what Greg Gard talked about. Possessions on the road, so valuable. you got to lock up every loose ball and keep a really neat house to go steal a game at Purdue or at Michigan State, and that's what this team has done, and Johnny Davis has been a part of that. Problem is, the scoring hasn't been efficient. What I love about Johnny and what I think NBA teams see in him as a draft prospect is that he's a winning player. Not that he plays on a winning team or plays at a school that has a winning culture, which he does. But Johnny Davis this season has been the catalyst of winning for a team that was predicted to finish near the bottom of the Big Ten. It's what Johnny Davis is doing that's leading to the win rather than the culture and the program success of Wisconsin uplifting Johnny to win a lot of games. Johnny Davis at some point in the last week or two realized, I, I got to be tighter. Now, I'm going to have nights where my shot is falling and I, and I shoot great and I, and I can go with high volume and I can kind of shoot from the hip. But there's also going to be nights where my shot isn't falling or defenses are keying on me more and more every night and they're making me force. They're making me go against double teams or they're defending me differently. And I got to learn how to deal with that. And last night showed that. He was 8 of 11. 2 of 4 from 3. He didn't have excess. He didn't have fat. He was only taking really good shots. And especially in the second half and especially in crunch time, he was hitting those shots. Greg Gard talked about that after the game. I thought tonight he was very patient. I thought he let the game come to him. He's talked about that. that you know, he's been defended a little differently and more physical each time. But I thought he picked and chose his spots. And obviously down the stretch, the ball was in his hands a fair amount. And he made a lot of plays. But I thought also he found teammates tonight and set up his teammates after he drew some attention in the crowd. He was very good at distributing the ball and very efficient. You know, eight for 11, that's a pretty good night. These are the factors that Johnny Davis, for the last month, has had to come face-to-face with, and I think is working on figuring them out. When his shot isn't falling, you know, shooters go through cold stretches, right? How do I adapt? How do I adjust? I'm still going to shoot. I, I still need to be an offensive contributor, but I need to be smarter about it. Last night, he was very picky with his shots. It's a good sign. And also, teams just know who he is. He's on the scouting report now. They're watching film. They're keying on him and keying on how to stop him. And when teams are sending more guys at you and they're defending you harder, that has opportunities for other players. And Johnny last night with a couple of assists and some really good passes that led to good opportunities didn't turn into assists. He was really good. Another player that benefited from Johnny taking his foot off the gas a little bit, a player that really impressed me last night was Chucky Hepburn. Remember a few weeks ago, I asked Zach Heilprin, he was on some Friday, like 5.30, and we were talking Badgers. And I, I, I said to Zach, how amazing would it be 
if Chucky Hepburn was a junior or had the experience and, and was playing like a junior, right? If, if he wasn't a raw freshman and he had a little bit more experience, a little bit more refinement, imagine him paired with Johnny, a calm, collected, pass-first, stout defensive point guard, and you can pair him with Johnny and run them in the two-man game? I get excited just thinking about that. We'll never see it. Um, and, and thing is, Chucky's getting better. He's not two or three years more experienced, but he's made the most out of the last two months. Greg Gard talked about Chucky Hepburn's really good night last night. You know, I've said all year that just the poise and the calmness that he plays with, that he does play older than what it says in the program. So, you know, he understands how to play the position. He's got a very good feel for it. He's a natural at it. Knows when to pick his spots. He's getting better at being more aggressive at the right times. Thought he hit a couple big buckets tonight. He made a couple Bronson Koenig-like plays, right? He's okay in the big moment. He's okay and, and comfortable taking a shot in a big moment. He's perfect from the free throw line. Those are two really important traits for a point guard on a team like Wisconsin. When you're in close games, the Badgers are 11 and one games decided by six points or less this year, which a lot of computer rankings and simulations, that's a knock on them. Look, if you're going to live in close games, you need guys that can hit free throws and you need guys that are calm and won't turn the ball over. Chucky Hepburn, no turnovers last night, which might've been his most important stat along with his 11 points and, and some big free throws. Let's take a break. I'll take your texts on the Badgers. We're not going to set them aside, but I also want to talk about the Bucks, who had a huge win last night and a really fun win against a really dejected and depressed-looking Lakers team. And, God, that was fun to watch. Let's talk about that game coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. On their level. I mean, I would have told you that before the game started. Do you think you can reach that level? Where they are right now, um, I don't know. Do I think we can reach the level where Milwaukee is right now? Um, no. Oh, oh. Is that what you? That what you want to hear from me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to follow up? Right now, but eventually this season. I will hope so, but right now we don't know. We can't get to where they are right now. I mean, they're the defending champions for a reason. the Lakers last night and it was it was amazing that, that game means probably 10 times less than the Badgers game did and it is weird because I wrote my notes about the Badger game wrote my notes about the Bucks, and we're talking about both games today the Badgers beating Michigan State and the Bucks beating the Lakers it's weird I feel like I enjoyed the Bucks win more and it's not that the Badgers win isn't important but as I said to start the show that, that win wasn't surprising to me Normally, if the Badgers win at the Breslin Center, I'm losing my mind. Oh, my God, they, they beat Tom Izzo at his place. Oh, of course this team won in Michigan State. This is kind of how they're wired. That's a very run-of-the-mill win for the 2021-2022 Wisconsin Badgers team. Two very different games, both very fun. On my lead, on our open, started by talking about the Badgers. I want to talk about the Bucks for a few minutes before we get to Perry Goldstein to talk Packers here in about 10 or 15. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Thank you for being here. Imagine someone playing that soundbite of LeBron for you in 2013 or even 2017 or 2018. If I told you, hey, uh, here's LeBron, uh, and he's asked if his team can get to the level of Giannis's team. If he, if LeBron's team can get to the level of the Milwaukee Bucks, you'd be like, whoa, <laughs> what happened to the, 
What happened to the Heat or the Cavs? Did a meteor hit the city? Kill off half of his team? No. This is just the reality in which we live. And isn't it glorious? The Bucks won 113-116 last night. And as a lot of regular season basketball games do, uh, the regular season is a little, or the, the final score a little bit misleading. The Badgers at one point, or the Bucks, Jesus. Can we start the show over? I can't talk today. The Bucks leading at one point during this game by 30. <laughs> and the Lakers made a nice little run. What was funny is the Lakers, I think, brought it within 10 in the fourth quarter. And me watching at home, I'm like, oh boy, I hope they don't blow this. Uh, I'm getting nervous. And right when the Lakers start to get close, Coach Bud subbed in Greg Monroe as if to say, you know what? Screw you guys. I know you're not coming back. And just to stick it in your face, I'm going to sub in the guy who's playing on a 10-day. <laughs> I was like, well, if Bud's summoning in Moose, uh, we must be okay. And they did end up being okay. They won 131-116, so a 15-point win when all is said and done. But at one point, they were up by 30. We could have gone to bed at halftime last night. When I saw they were guarding Giannis with Trevor Ariza, I just, I, and I tweeted this, I'm like, I, we could probably go to bed. If that's what they're going to do, if that's their approach to guarding Giannis, just call, just call it. Watch something else. Catch up on Yellowstone or whatever you're watching or, or go to bed early. I, I watched it in bed just because I was having too much fun. Last night's Bucks lakers game reminded me of the Bucks cavs game that I think was two weeks ago tonight when I went back and looked. It was a Wednesday night game. When the Bucks hit a few three-pointers out of the gate, and we're like, oh, here we are. We're off to the races. And then for the rest of the game, minus like the first four or five minutes, the Cavs just hammered the Bucks. The Bucks looked like they didn't want to be there. The, the Cavs were playing harder. Their fans were more into it. They were playing more physical. They were getting every loose ball, every rebound. They were killing the Bucks in second-chance points. It was just a, it, they were bullying them. They were beating them up. And that's exactly what last night's game looked like to me. The Lakers hit a couple of threes right out of the jump. I think they started like four of five from beyond the three-point line. And at that point, the Bucks were still up a couple of points. And I'm like, oh boy. And then it's just an onslaught the rest of the night. If Johnny Davis had an efficient night last night, which he did, I don't know what that makes Giannis's night last night. 44 points on 17 of 20 shooting, 2 of 2 from 3, 8 of 13 from the field, 10 rebounds or 14 rebounds, 8 assists, a steal, and 2 blocks. And I don't know if you watched the postgame press was last night. Probably not. At one point, Chris Middleton is giving an answer, and Drew Holiday is sitting next to him looking at the box score, and you could just tell it was his facial expressions. He's like, holy balls, Giannis did. Giannis did what? The Lakers had zero answers for Giannis. Um, and they're not the only team in the league that has no answer for Giannis. Most teams don't. They didn't really have an answer for anyone. When it got tight towards the end of the game, and Giannis might have been on the bench for this, and they pulled within 10 or 12 or whatever the, the margin became, then they just started isolating Drew Holiday on Austin Reeves. It's like, oh, you're going to have this slap, you know, you're going to have this slap dick out here? All right, well, we're just going to clear it out, and we're going to let our, our point guard just bully Austin Reeves to the rack. And that's exactly what he did. Like, the Bucks had an answer for every matchup. They knew how to attack every player and every defender. It was, honestly, I'm waxing poetic about it. Way more than I'm waxing poetic about the Badgers winning at Michigan State last night. That's how you should know. That's just how beautiful this game was. Even in the grand scheme of things, if it didn't mean much, sure, I'll, I'll give you that. But it was still, for a basketball fan, it was great to watch. For the first time, I watched LeBron James try to guard Giannis and really just get cooked. And LeBron is older and Giannis is entering his prime. 
So I'm not even blaming LeBron for this, but LeBron has been so good for so long. Giannis hit that turnaround jumper that was shared everywhere last night, but he also at one point got LeBron to jump on a fake, got him in and and got to the free throw line. He also got Anthony Davis to jump into him on a three-point shot. I don't know what Anthony Davis was doing last night. He had 22 points, but you just watch that game. He just looked so unimpressive and spacey and kind of out of it. Chris Middleton had an awesome quote about Giannis in the postgame presser last night and how easy it looked for him. And I was going to play the audio for you, but the audio sucks and it's hard to understand. So I'm just going to read it for you. Um, Here we go. He made it look easy, honestly. Um, I looked up in the third, fourth quarter and saw he had 35, 38. And I didn't know he was anywhere close to that. But that just shows the level that he's playing. He's knocking down his jump shot. He's got guys going for his pump fake, which is going to open up things even more for him. Just the way he lets the game come to him and he stays patient. A lot of that stuff made the game easy for me. It's pretty fun watching him play. One more quote. He's knocking down shots, so he's a threat from the outside, which is, we were talking on the bench, one of the scariest things to see. Because if he's knocking down that three ball, the mid-range consistently too, guys have to challenge. And he's smart. Knowing that guys are now challenging, he's going to shoot it sometimes, but it feels like if a guy's biting on it, throw a little pump fake and play through that, which is great. Causes a foul and gives him an easy two at the free throw line. And now he's hitting his free throws, by the way. Last night, he was 8 of 13 from the free throw line, which I guess isn't spectacular. But if you would have said that a year ago that Giannis was going to go 8 of 13, I said, okay, fine, take it. Take it, cash out. Cash out. Yep, that's it. We don't, we're not even gonna, we don't even need to bet on him getting any better. I'll take it if he can go 8 of 13 in a road game in L.A. Giannis on this road trip has hit eight of his 12 three-point shots. And I think of all of the the conversations that exist in the Giannis discourse, I, I think over the years, I, I've started to believe that the three-point shot discourse is a little bit overblown and overrated because Giannis could do all these great things. And then when you watch halftime shows or you watch basketball TV or you listen to you know NBA radio, it's like, well, yeah, when Giannis gets that three-point shot, you know, he's going to be unstoppable. Well, I'd actually rather have him be good at free throws and have a great selection of post moves and the mid-range jumper. It's not that the three-point shots aren't important. They are. But if you can do a little bit of three-point shooting and a lot of the other things, I would prefer that. And I think that was the most impressive thing last night. He only took two threes, and he hit them both. Here's, by the way, where Gian- I'm going to leave you with this. Giannis's quote about his three-point shot. This made me laugh. I've worked extremely hard to be in the position to shoot that ball. Now, if it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't go in, it doesn't go in. You can't predict how the future goes. But at the end of the day, I don't want my narrative to change. I still want to be the guy that you dare to shoot and be a he's a non-shooter guy because then I'm wide open all the time. If the narrative changes, now you guys make my shots harder. Just let it be like this. I love it just like this. I'm working hard. My teammates want me to shoot the ball when I'm open, and I've been trying my best. So Giannis is essentially saying, hey, can we not talk about me making my threes? I like when guys leave me open. It's just so easy for Giannis right now. And what did I say last Thursday? Watch this West Coast trip. See if they don't turn it on. Now that the calendar's in February, they smoked Portland, smoked the Clippers, smoked the Lakers. This is a successful road trip already. Now we turn our eyes to the Phoenix game on Thursday, which is a match between probably the two best teams in the NBA right now. And win or lose, I just I hope that's a fun game, and I hope the Bucks bring it, and I hope we get some really, really good uh, high-quality basketball. Let's take a break. I want to talk about football for a few minutes. Perry Goldstein, Cheesehead TV, is going to join us next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Show. My name is Grant Bills. Loving the Bucks talk today. Loving the Badgers talk too. Last night was amazing. I went to bed the happiest man on earth. Because I'll be honest with you, I'll always be honest with you. Monday and Tuesday show this week is fine. It's fine. Not a whole lot of entertaining things going on right now. We can't relive Green Bay, San Francisco that many times. We can only talk about Joe Burrow so much. I'm also having trouble speaking today. So that part of the show still blows. But the content's better today, I promise. We're talking about a big Badgers win. We're talking about a fun Bucks win last night. And a game that showed us, man, Giannis is still getting better. He got fouled on a three-point attempt. Isn't that just bizarre? That's insane to think about. Go back two years and and tell your past self, hey, Giannis is going to get fouled attempting a three. Oh, that's nuts. So we're going to talk more about those games from last night. Absolutely. But right now, I want to play for you a conversation I had with Perry Goldstein. She said TV, packs what she said podcast. We talked about the Niners game for the first time together and looked uh, ahead into the offseason just a little bit. So here's my conversation with Perry. So, Perry Goldstein is here. Packs what she said podcast. She's had TV. Perry, I couldn't remember. So I went back and I looked. And the last time you were on was January 19th. So it wasn't that long ago. It feels like forever ago. We were previewing Packers Niners and talking about McCarthy. And I wanted to kind of go back to that spot because I think a lot of Packers fans are thinking now, like, oh, we overrated this team. They weren't really that good. And I... I don't think that's the case. I think we were right about this team all along. We were correct in being hyped going into that game, and then they just played like crap. What happens in these games in the playoffs is, and I've said this all season, the Packers weren't a perfect team. They had plenty of weaknesses. They, The 49ers or the Packers exploited their own weaknesses, right? Like special teams had a meltdown, and the slow offensive start that we saw the Packers have all season long lingered way too long slash never they never got out of that slow offensive start to begin with um after the first drive so it wasn't anything new that happened it just all came together horribly in one game like it always does in the playoffs so you are packers famous you are famous in the packers fear and on twitter you have lots of followers so you see a lot of packers people on twitter like i'd like to think you you have a good read of the room it was interesting after they lost to the niners i saw a lot of people saying well you know Bad luck on special teams. You know, Bakhtiari couldn't play. And I I started to think that that Packers fans after the last decade, we seem to think that everything needs to be perfect. Like if our team isn't perfect, it's not our year. And that's true to some degree. But then I watched the Bengals. I'm like, well, they barely have an offensive line, right? And they were down 18 points. Like if that would have been the Packers, we would have walked away and thought, well, we need to fix our offensive line and uh, we can't start slow. But you can start slow and you can have weaknesses at least other teams can. The Packers can't. Why Why is that? Why do the Packers, it, it seems like their margin of error is so much smaller than all of these other teams that have made it to the Super Bowl since 2010. I know. I don't get it. It's almost like just being able to game plan around your weaknesses. Every team has them. Like the Rams, Stafford, if he turns the ball over, which is more than likely, yeah. the Bengals have a good chance of winning this game. You said it. The Bengals have a really weak offensive line, and they're going up against Aaron Donald. Like every team has their weaknesses. You just have to plan around them. And I just the, – they couldn't do it in this game. They've been able to do it all all regular season. Yeah. Right? They were winning close games against teams that – you would expect them to blow out a little bit more. And then you get to the 49ers and you're at home and you have like so much going for you, but you can't. It snowed. Perry, it snowed in the second half. 
I know. You've got Aaron Rodgers finally, like, again, getting one at home with the fans. Like, everything stars align, but no team is perfect. I mean, if a, if a perfect team was going to win, they wouldn't have won in 2010. Yeah. That wasn't the perfect team. Mm-hmm. And they would have won probably in 2011 when they went 15-1. and one. That's just not how football works. Um, I just think, I, I don't know. I just think it was either execution or poor game planning or a little bit of a combo. So I'm not... I'm not being anti-Matt LaFleur here. I really like Matt LaFleur. I like like 99% of everything Matt LaFleur does, I love. Mm-hmm. But after all these playoff losses, and really all of their losses, you know, he'll come out and he'll go to the podium and he'll say, this is on me, right? And he'll do, which is good. That's what you want a head coach to do. But he'll always say, I didn't do a good job of getting my guys prepared. I didn't have my team ready to play. And that's just good filler, I think, for a coach falling on the sword. That's just something good to say. But when I hear it this often, I maybe I start to believe it and I'm I'm concerned or I'm I'm confused, I should say. I'm not concerned because against Arizona, great game plan. And they came out and they nailed it, right? On a short week with injuries. And they had a couple games throughout the regular season where they were missing wide receiver, missing offensive linemen, and they put together great game plans. And then they get to the playoffs and it's like they don't game plan for specific opponents. Why is that? I had the same thought after this year. I actually, I texted my dad and I said, okay, this is, you know, year three. And I agree with you. I'm a huge Matt LaFleur fan. Mm -hmm. I think he very much deserved coach of the year this year. He is obviously an amazing game planner. I think his offense is super fun, but it's something about when he gets to that next level in the playoffs, his game planning, his prep, I don't know, his play calling. I, I don't know what it is, just isn't what we see in the regular season. And I don't know if it's the pressure or if Shanahan's in his head, because that opponent, but I don't know what it is about the playoffs, but like the LaFleur that we love during the regular season is like 80% of himself in the playoffs. I don't want to get into Aaron Rodgers yet. I have a couple of Aaron Rodgers things I want to hit, but I'll, I'll bring Aaron Rodgers into this. Do you think that Matt LaFleur, when he gets to a playoff game, thinks, okay, I've set the table. We've, we've done all these different game plans. We've done all these different alignments. I got my team as healthy as we've been all year. Now it's time for my great, my great players to take over. Now it's time for Rodgers to take the reins. Because I watch Chiefs. Mahomes did it against the Bills. Like Andy Reid, Andy Reid's coaching at the end of that game was some quote about being a grim reaper. Like he's like, all right, go off. Go do your thing. And that's what Joe Burrow did in the AFC Championship game. So do you think Matt LaFleur is maybe thinking, all right, like I got you this number one seed. We schemed past all of these injuries. Now it's time for you to go do your thing. And, and do you think maybe Matt LaFleur's leaving too much up to his quarterback? I don't know. Like not being in the room, that's kind of hard to speculate mm-hmm. about. But yeah, I mean, at some point he's he's got to be like, we've put together this plan. You know what the offensive script is yeah. for this game. Either you're going to perform within our script that we plan for, or you're going to do what we saw, which was like weird, hold the ball too long, hero ball. And like Matt LaFleur can't, does have no control over what Aaron Rodgers does or checks at the line of scrimmage. But you would hope, in his case, he's thinking, well, no matter what, I have Aaron Rodgers, so yeah. it's going to end up being fine. And in this game, it was really Aaron Rodgers' play that made the Packers lose. I think so, too. And we're going to get to Rodgers here. I have one more Matt LaFleur thing, and this is something that Andy Herman brought up when he was on last week. Speaking of Packers famous people, I asked Andy one question, and I, I don't remember what it was, but it was something in the wording of my question that like made his antennas pop up. And he's like, wait, I want to talk about that. And it reminded me of what we talked about with the Bucks for a couple of years in that they had such a good formula in the regular season to win as many games as possible. But then when they got to the playoffs, there were other teams that like took it to another level and they could be multiple and they could do different things. And then the Bucks felt kind of one dimensional. Is that an issue that the Packers have where maybe they're not using the regular season to become the best possible team for the playoffs, but they're just trying to squeak by and win as many games as possible, which is good. You want to win games. 
but the 10 and 7 Bengals are in the Super Bowl. The Packers, you know, won 13 games before sitting everyone in, in the final week and they lost in the divisional round. Do you, do you know what I mean? I actually completely agree with that. Yeah. No, Andy's great. Yeah. It's, yeah Andy's awesome. I mean, it's, it's true. Like, and the Packers are so interesting to me because all season long, I was such a starch defender of their offense is fine with the weapons that they have. Like they yeah. have two great running backs who do all three things you want a running back to do incredibly well. They have the best wide receiver in football and they have really nice pieces around them. And you have Aaron Rodgers. And like, if the offensive line holds up, I think Matt LaFleur can scheme it open and we're good. And then this game comes around and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, wow, man, like I would love a T Higgins in this game. Yeah. And like, I would love just like, some secondary player to like get involved. And I don't know if that's just because AJ Dillon went out with an injury or we lost Bobby Tunyon earlier in the season, or for some reason Rogers just didn't target Cobb and Lazard at all. Yeah. But it was just in that moment it was the first time in years where I was like, yeah, okay. You know what? Maybe another weapon here would actually be a nice option. Now the flip side of, as I just said, like Rogers also didn't target a wide receiver not named Devontae Adams until the fourth quarter. So that's yeah. also a problem. But I do think that the one-dimensional piece that you just mentioned was what I was thinking was if you have a good game plan for Devontae Adams, you make the Packers very one-dimensional. I love Al Lazard. I don't Me think too. he's a number two wide receiver. Just be, That's not like what he's good at isn't number two wide receiver. He's really good at what he's good at. But after the bye, he was playing so well. And I remember walking away from the Bengals chiefs game the Sunday, of the AFC championship game after T Higgins was great because obviously the chiefs were showing so much attention to Demar chase. And I'm like, wait a minute, Al Lazard's not a superstar wide receiver and he's probably not going to play for the Packers for 10 years and make all this money, but he could have done that. Like if he yes. just would have gotten thrown the ball. So I, I, you know, I am team get another weapon, but I, I would it have mattered. I, I don't know. Is it just about giving Rogers a guy with a name so he can feel good about, targeting no, someone but he loves Rogers Lazard loves the non the non-name guys right like he loves Mercedes Lewis this like random 16-year vet tight end and he yeah. loves Lazard and he hypes up MVS like crazy he lobbied to have his best friend Randall Cobb come back to the team and then targeted him once on like a weird almost interception ball so yeah. like to me, I think it's it came down in this game to execution, and I don't know if that comes in the form of Rodgers not getting them the ball or if it comes from the wide receivers just not being open and kudos to the 49ers defense, but nobody was, like, showing up. No. And you can only hero ball it to Devontae Adams so many times. You have to know that the other team is going to do everything possible to stop him just like the Ravens did, and that's what the Niners did. So frustrated. They don't have a good secondary. Their defense is the Niners are that good. And that's another thing that bothers me is like, well, going away from that game, the, I think a lot of Packers fans were like, well, Niners are a great physical team. I was like, yeah, they're physical, but I'm I'm not sure they're that good. Like, I don't think the Niners are that good and that frustrating. Oh, I'm sorry, but the <laughs> Packers losing to Jimmy Garoppolo, like yet again, Twice. just gets at home. under my skin. At home. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't score a touchdown either. It's it's very frustrating. We're talking with Perry Goldstein. Check out her podcast with Maggie Loney. Uh, it's through Cheesehead TV. It's called Packs What She Said. Let's do the Aaron Rodgers half of this. Last, it would have been two Mondays ago, after this game, I was I was like done with Rodgers. Like I was like 95% of this game is on him. He didn't even need to play well. Like he just needed to play decent and they would have won. I still feel that way. I'm not yelling about it maybe like I was two weeks ago, but I feel like my thoughts 
for Rodgers after that game are still my thoughts now, even if I'm more calm about it. Do you feel that same way or have you kind of changed now with a couple of weeks of perspective? No, I feel the exact same way as I did after that game. Like the anger, the motion of it is gone. But yeah, I mean, (laughs) we just talked about it. Like you have this first ballot Hall of Famer who is trying to like get that last ring and he has all of his guys back and Bach didn't play, but like the offensive line was okay. Like they were fine and he just didn't play well. Yeah. And it's like the last thing that you expect because I feel like Packers fandom has so much been watching Aaron Rodgers put the team on his back. Like before the show, right, we were talking about 2015 and that Arizona game. And you just think about all these incredible moments that you attribute to Rodgers. And it's always been like other pieces around him have like let let him down. And this was the reverse of that. So do we see some of these past playoff losses a little bit differently now? Like, are we going back and thinking, well, maybe Aaron Rodgers could have done this or that in this game? No. I'm not a dweller. No, I I don't. It, it happens and you move on this one. This one is harder to swallow because the last couple of years they've been so close and then they lose last year in 2020. And then that you come back with all the off season stuff with him. And he finally shows up to training camp. You're like, okay, this is it. And like the team was like scrappier and grittier this year. And they, it felt like they were more poised to be, to make it further in the playoffs because of their ability to overcome certain things. And then they lose in their first game in the playoffs. They don't even make it to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I didn't even get to be nervous for yeah. the NFC Championship game. I had lost. that trauma robbed from me. Like, didn't it, didn't it feel weird on Championship Sunday? Like waking up and thinking, okay, so Rams, Niners, Bengals, Chiefs. It was it was kind of fun. I remember thinking, this isn't so bad when the Packers aren't like like have me tilting on the edge. It was kind of fun. I was still mad. Yeah, but I really enjoyed the Bengals Chiefs game a it was lot. Great. It was great. Um, it was really hard to watch the 49ers Rams, mostly because I honestly still believe the Packers are a better team. than. Oh, 100%. I watched that game and thought, oh, my God, like these two coaches that are fumbling all over themselves and these two quarterbacks that aren't any good. It's just no, I, I'm with you. It, it was an it was an annoyance. I, it, it didn't get me angry. I wasn't dwelling on it, but I just watched this game. And I'm like, of course, like this is such both of these opponents were so beatable. So we're running out of time. But just looking into the offseason, I kind of think Rodgers will just be back. I, I know that everyone wants to talk rumors, and that's that's not the like the fun conversation to have, but I think he'll be back just because he'll probably be back. Where else is he going to go? I, I don't know. I agree. Um, <laughs> I mean, he posted recently. I'm not a big into speculation either, which oh, is God, why if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen that I've been kind of quiet because, like, I just am not going to go through, like, all the roller coaster of emotions, like Broncos, Titans, like, whatever. Oh, it's a new one. It's a new one every week. Yeah, we had, like, a Broncos golfing. Did you see that while he was golfing in Denver? Like, someone yelled, come to Denver, and he's like, we'll see, and someone tweeted, and it was a thing. He loves messing with people. He does. So, like, if you fall for that, I don't know what to tell you. So, I'm just kind of waiting for him to, to let us know. I look at this more of like a Packers cap situation and there are really only two scenarios that work for the Packers having him come back Mm -hmm. and restructure a bunch of players so that we can maybe extend Devontae Adams. Hopefully at some point extend Jair Alexander and figure out whatever else is going to happen with that offense or trade him for a boatload of capital. And then it's just a full rebuild. But if he comes back, it's going to have to be a very similar like Rams all in kind of year because the cap is rough 
and it's going to be one more year. There, there is nothing left. You can't keep kicking it down the road. Yeah. And if you do, then you're going to screw the team for future years. And then you're going to get nothing out of Jordan Love on his rookie deal if you really do want to play him, which is the whole point of having a quarterback on his rookie deal is to put a bunch of pieces around him. You think Rodgers would take a pay cut? I don't know anymore with him. I, I feel like I used to say yes, but now I don't know. Why would he not? Why would he not? I just, I, I don't know. He, he My like, answer is not radio, friendly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. Well, we can leave it there, and let's not speculate on anything else. Maybe in a month we, we have some interesting tidbits about the Packers, and if you'd be willing to come back on and talk about it, that'd be a blast. Always, Grant. Thank you, Perry, and uh, I, I have to mention this. Your birthday is tomorrow, so happy birthday and enjoy celebrating. Thank you. Appreciate Thanks, Perry. It. Show. Big thanks to Barry Goldstein. She said TV. Check out her pod. She does it with Maggie Loney. They are excellent. Had to, I had to connect with Perry. We hadn't talked since the playoff game. I'm not trying to hammer the Bucks or the, the Packers. Why can't I speak today? It's happened a couple of times. Not trying to hammer the Packers because I know we want to talk about bigger and better things. But anytime I have a chance to connect with Perry, going to do it. Want to get back into the Badgers, back into the Bucks in the second half of the show. I did get a text from Tom in Eau Claire. Who says, can we talk about the elephant in the room? No one will discuss the lockout in Major League Baseball. Yeah, that's because they'll censor me. They'll take my show off the air. Rob Manfred's a real bastard. No, I I mean, what is there to say? The owners are greedy and annoying. The players are childish and annoying. This could have been at least dealt with, if not resolved, two months ago. Uh, But for whatever reason, it wasn't. So it's going to take away spring training from us. Uh, and other than that, I don't think there's much to say. So, Tom, I'm with you. I'm frustrated. Uh, I just, I don't think I have much to add. Now, if you'd like to add something, give me a text, give me a call. But that's about it. More Bucks, more Badgers, both with huge wins last night. Let's talk about it after this update from our friend, Zach Heilbrin. Why did the football coach go to the back? You guys know what? This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Done with Packers for the day. I promise. I feel, I feel like this week, I feel like a kindergarten teacher this week. I put together some nice Bucks conversations on Monday and Tuesday. I don't want to hear it. Enough NBA. Okay, so I get a Packers guest today. We talk for 15 minutes. Enough Packers. I'm going to tune you out if you keep talking Packers. What do you want from me? Huh? We're going to have Justin Garcia on tomorrow. Do you just not want to talk about sports? Justin loves the Grateful Dead. Do you just want to do that for a half hour? Fine. Fine. Tell me what you want, and I will give it to you. Just let me know. I'm here to please. Maybe that's the problem. I should stop asking permission. I should stop trying to please people to talk about what I want. 608-796-2558. Mike in Monona says, I know it's your job, but I'm going to change the channel every time I hear you talking about the Packers until April. Well, Mike, that bums me out. Uh, just know that maybe we'll talk a little draft. Rodgers might win the MVP this week, so that's probably something we're going to talk about. Just, hey. I'll, uh, I'll send you a list, an itemized list and a schedule just so you can plan out your radio listening uh, because obviously you're 
you know, getting it lined up now until April. I like to schedule my radio listening out until about uh, about Easter. So I'm, I'm with you, Mike. Just let me get back to you with a schedule uh, and I'll, I'll let you know. 608-796-2558. We are going to talk Badgers and I have some things that I want to get to with the Bucks. They had a great win last night, too. Probably not as important as the Badgers win. But what I've realized, this Badgers win, it seems so ho-hum. Of course they won at Michigan State, because why wouldn't they? That just that sums up this year's team pretty well. That I, I didn't even really miss a beat last night watching them win in the Breslin Center. It is the Breslin Center, right? And then Michigan is at the Chrysler Center. I think I have those correct. Whatever. If I've been wrong, now I've been wrong the whole show, so the, the damage is done. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I gave you the number to call and text. Twitter. At Wisco Grant, if you want to join the show that way as well, just follow me there. Send me a tweet earlier, uh, right before the show, I posted a montage. I'm doing my best impression of Radio Row people this week. Uh, Maybe it's because I'm jaded that I'm not there. Maybe. We have no way of knowing. Um, But what I realized this week is that every guest in every interview at Radio Row uh, has their legs crossed to a, a really, like, awkward degree. Like, really bring it into the chest and then grabbing the shin with both hands really drive home the the masculine leg cross and very interesting so i've been i've been watching radio row from afar mike clements is there bill michaels is there you hear them in the afternoon all along our network i'm in studio uh business as usual for the wisco sports show this week last two days i didn't really feel it with the show we did a little super bowl little bucks little i mean we were talking about the blazers for god's sake like i, I don't know today i love it I love the topics. I love the games we got last night. Let's get back into the Badgers. They won in East Lansing, 70-62. to 62. And I, it's not that they pulled away at the last second. Like, they controlled a lot of this game. Michigan State went on their runs, but Johnny Davis, timely buckets. Didn't shoot nearly as many times last night. And Chucky Hepburn at the end of the game, too, with some timely shots, some clutch shots, and really good from the free throw line as well, which I'm starting to realize, like, that's that's kind of how Chucky Hepburn is wired. He's a good point guard. He reminds me a little bit of um, of Bronson Kading in that way, where he's very comfortable with the ball in his hand at the end of games, not afraid to go to the free throw line, just nails from the charity stripe in the closing minutes, which is really important. The Badgers playing in a lot of close games. They're 11-1 in games decided by six points or fewer. Some of that is luck, but some of that is having players that are really comfortable late in the game, having the ball in their hands. And Johnny Davis, Chucky Hepburn, Brad Davison all fit that bill. And we saw that again last night. Uh, it was decided by eight points last night. So a little bit more breathing room. Vagabond John is on the phone. Vagabond John, welcome to the show. What's up? How's it going, Grant? I know I've been calling it a lot lately. You're catching me. I happen to be on the freeway at 4 o'clock every day. So I love it. Ah, I love keep it. Keep calling in with my Badger takes. To me, that win... I've been watching the Badger basketball team pretty intensely since I started school at Wisconsin in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Davis is, to me, by far the best player we've had. Obviously, people are going to bring up Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky also had Sam Decker and a number of other pieces. Yep. I don't think the pieces are as strong on this team. Uh, I haven't seen a player play like Johnny Davis does at Wisconsin in my time watching Wisconsin. So, where yeah. I know a lot of the older guys will bring up the early 2000s players. Sure. Sorry, I'm young. I wasn't able to watch them. I am too. But when he just elevates on that mid-range jump shot, and internally as a guy who's watched Wisconsin basketball for you know 10 years, I'm screaming, no, this is terrible. <laughs> 
he's hitting them. And yeah. I'm like, I'm looking at my buddy who's a huge Michigan State fan. I'm looking at my boss who's a huge North Carolina fan. I'm like, this is usually what you guys do to us. Yeah. And now we're doing it. So is it, is it, that? what, what sets for you, what sets Johnny Davis apart from these other guys? Is it the shot creation and his ability to just get to a spot and rise up and get a bucket? Is that what you see specifically that sets him apart? Absolutely. That and then, I mean, his drive too. So the two, shot creation in general. But, I mean, you see the way this guy is able to accelerate to the basket. I can't wait to watch what he's able to do with three steps. Yeah. You know, I mean, the way he <laughs> yeah. puts his head down like a running back and then suddenly pops out with his right or left hand and puts it off the glass with a sweet touch over somebody who's like eight inches taller than him. And it looks so effortless. And that's where, as Wisconsin fans, I truly am not used to watching somebody like this. Like, that's just where I'm at. Last night, my mouth was on the floor. Yeah. I was on the floor. I'm, and it's the way he jumps in his jump shot. I mean, I just, I know, I know I'm just kind of rambling right no, now, but good. I was just taken aback. Like, holy cow. That well, was something. It's in the way that, and, and we could talk about his defense too, the way that Johnny Davis, I mean, he's just so long. And I think the word sticky is the word that I use. Like, if someone puts a jab step on him and Johnny takes a step back, he recovers right back into position so quickly. And it's not just him. Chucky Hepburn is really good at it. Lauren Bowman, I thought, showed a couple flashes last night. So Johnny, along with a couple of other guys, they're just so solid defensively, too. This team is, I don't know, how did we not see this team coming? Like, what, this team was supposed I, to be in the well, bottom of the Big Ten, and they just look like a such a surefire thing right now. I did I did see this team coming. My buddies give me some crap because I'm pretty optimistic every August yeah. when it comes to Badger basketball <laughs> and football. Yeah. Um, but truly, I think uh, I could be wrong on this, but I believe in terms of recruiting rating across your, your seven top players, mm-hmm. I think this is the highest recruit rating on the top seven Wisconsin's ever had. So we're watching different caliber athletes. Bronson Koenig, obviously – was a fantastic athlete. Um, knew him a little bit personally. Great guy. Love the guy. But mm-hmm. he is not the athlete that Lauren Bowman or Chucky Hepburn yeah. or, you know, comparing Josh Gosser to a Tyler Wall. <laughs> um, these new guys are just, they're just better versions of what we've seen in the past. Yeah. Uh, Chucky Hepburn specifically. I think Chucky and, and, uh, and Gosser are a little similar in what you just said before my call. Uh, comfortable late game, ball in the hands, excellent defense. You're sticking yeah. to your guy. But, yeah, man, I'm excited. I know last week I called and I said, what is the expectation going forward? And after watching that game last night, I mean, there's no reason this team shouldn't be considered, I don't want to use the word lock, yeah. sports betting-wise. But, I, you know, Sweet 16, certainly, if they don't get there, is a massive disappointment at this rate with this amount of talent. Um and I think they can challenge to maybe make it to that Elite Eight. They're beating top 25 teams. They've got eight quad one wins. Uh, what, they're 20 and two when mm-hmm. all five starters play. Yep. So um, it's exciting. I think we got to enjoy it while it lasts. But also for all the, all the Wisconsin fans out there that are worried about losing Johnny Davis, just watching Lauren Bowman and Chucky Hepburn grow mm-hmm. and even Ben Carlson on that alley-oop, mm-hmm. where did that come from? Yeah, so, I think we're seeing I'll, a lot I'll of progress. From, that, but I'm excited. Yeah, and John, I appreciate the call, and I like hearing from people who, well, especially, and I think if you if you went to UW um, and spent time there, I think, and we've talked about this with the Badgers before, there's varying degrees of fandom around the state, right? There's 
I think there's people who live in Milwaukee who watch Marquette, and or maybe they watch Marquette in Wisconsin equally. Like, I know people who live in Milwaukee but didn't grow up there. Maybe they grew up somewhere else, and now they live there, so they pay attention to Marquette, and they also pay attention to the Badgers. And then there is kind of the rest of the state, let's just say the western half of the state, or, you know, the western two-thirds of the state once you get away from Lake Michigan, where we don't really have a dog in the fight unless we went to Wisconsin. So we just, we, the Badgers are our team. Uh, and maybe we're diehards, maybe we're not. And then there's people like you, John, who went and graduated as a Badger. And obviously you're going to remain a little bit more connected. It is something to look back through even the last 15 years or the last five or six years even and compare what we're seeing now from Johnny to what we saw from the best player on, you know, previous iterations of Badger teams. I wonder if Ethan Happ, like let's say you swap Ethan Happ and Frank Kaminsky on that 2015 team, what that team would have looked like, because you mentioned how great Frank was, and he was great, and Frank could shoot unlike Ethan Happ, and he could hit free throws. But when you're a center and you have players all around you, Brust and Showalter and Koenig um, and Gosser, those guys those guys could space the floor. You couldn't leave them on the perimeter. So the space that Frank Kaminsky had to work, and his, his footwork was excellent. He made the most of that space. But when the talent dropped off a little bit around Ethan Happ, his job was certainly a lot harder than than Frank Kaminsky. So it's interesting to compare best player now, who's Johnny Davis, compared to Frank Kaminsky, or, or a lot of people will look back at the early 2000s as well and, and some of those teams that had a lot of tournament success. I think John made a really good point about the level of athlete that you see in a lot of these players. Like, Koenig was great, and I, I love Bronson Koenig. He's an Aquinas guy. He's a lacrosse guy, uh, and just clutch as they come. But Johnny's a better athlete, right? You mentioned Lauren Bowman or or Chucky Hepburn as well. These are these are top tier athletes with speed and strength and quickness and and measurables, right? Things you can measure, not just oh he's got a big heart. No, he's actually really strong and really fast, and you can measure it with certain exercises, right? And that's why guys are, are recruited higher, some recruited higher than others. Chucky Hepburn last night, and and, and Johnny Davis blows me away every night. Um, as John said, but Chucky Hepburn, I thought, showed some really good flashes last night. And a couple weeks ago, we had Zach Heilpern on the show, our good, good buddy. And you hear him, by the way, new episode of The Swing dropped today with Jesse Temple. You should listen to it. I listened to it today. Getting ready for the show it was awesome. They talked with an analytics guy who does modeling uh, for ranking teams. And they talked about why, like in the Ken Palm, for example, the Badgers were a little bit lower. But listen to Zach's podcast. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago, if you'll remember. With this Wisconsin yeah. Sports Zone yeah. Network update, I'm Zach Heil. Yeah, yeah, Zach was on, I think it was two weeks ago. And I just threw out to him, what would it look like if Chucky Hepburn was a year more experienced or two seasons further in experience? And you could pair him with Johnny and the things they could do in the two-man game and the screen and roll. And, and Chucky Hepburn being able to score, yes, absolutely. But also being able to set up Johnny Davis and at times be a pass-first point guard that combination, if those two players were at their college peaks, would be something else. I mean, that's that's just a duo that can take a tournament and and turn it on its head and, and eliminate some big teams and, and go way later into the tournament and win games kind of at a level past what most people accept or uh, expect from a team like Wisconsin. What we saw from Chucky Hepburn last night was improvement even from a month or two ago. Forget a year or two down the road, just months later with Chucky Hepburn He's just finding ways to be productive and helpful on this team. He only had 11 points. Only. He was their second leading scorer with 11 points. I don't mean to diminish that at all. It's not like he was scoring 20. He had 11, but it was how these shots were timed. uh, In which moments these shots came in the game. They were in big moments when Michigan State at the end 
kind of had a, a few final gasps trying to get back into this game, and and Chucky Hepburn said, nah, "No, I don't, I don't, I don't think we'll do that." No, very efficient, four of nine from the field. He had a three pointer. He hit both of his free throws, and they were late, just stone cold at the free throw line. For a team like Wisconsin, that isn't going to blow teams out of the water for the most part, certainly not in the Big Ten tournament and certainly not in the NCAA tournament, need to be comfortable playing in close games. And this Badgers team is a little bit of an anomaly in close games, even in that they're 11-1 and in games decided by six points or fewer. I mean, it's it's bizarre. You have, you have teams that don't play that many close games in a year, let alone win that many close games by six points or fewer. It's so important to have Chucky Hepburn or someone like Chucky Hepburn at the end of the game. And that's why I talk about Bronson Koenig, but you could talk about Frank Kaminsky too because you could put Frank on the line and it it wouldn't matter. I mean, he's hitting both, right? You can put Chucky Hepburn on the line. It won't matter. It doesn't matter if it's tied with a minute to go. It doesn't matter if the Badgers up four, down four. He's hitting those shots. And Brad Davison is much of the same. Brad Davison is not the talent that Hepburn or Davis is. He's not as athletic. He's not as skilled. Basically, you're either going to get, you know, two of 10 from three point or six of 11. And that's just what you're getting. But you're getting someone who's comfortable in late games, situationally is sharp, and hits free throws. And there's two or three guys in in closing moments for the Badgers, mostly Davison and Hepburn, who I am completely and totally at peace with and comfortable with, with the ball in their hands in the final 60 seconds. And yeah, maybe the Badgers were a little lucky for winning so many close games, but also they just have a couple of guys that are so comfortable playing in close games that they're going to win more of these games than they lose. And I don't want to penalize the Badgers for that. That's just... A little bit how they're designed. That's how they're 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 staffed. That's their personnel. That's their players. Let's take a break. Talk more about the Badgers, including some of those rankings. Why they're ranked where they are. John mentioned quadrant wins. I did some research today to try to better understand what certain quadrants mean. So we can talk about that. Keep the Badgers conversation going next on the Wisco Sports. Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Just the poise and the calmness that he plays with, that he does play older than what it says in the program. So, you know, he understands how to play the position. He's got a very good feel for it. He's a natural at it. Knows when to pick his spots. He's getting better at being more aggressive at the right times. Thought he hit a couple big buckets tonight. Talking about Chucky Hepburn, he had 11 last night. Which is good. I am, I shouldn't say he only had 11. I think I'm doing a poor job framing that. He didn't have 25. But his value last night for the Badgers as a compliment to Johnny Davis, as an option in crunch time, and as someone who's comfortable late in the game with the ball in their hands and comfortable at the free throw line on the road, huge role, huge game for Chucky Hepburn last night. And he's getting better little by little. I'm excited thinking about weeks from now, the Big Ten Tournament, and the NCAA tournament, we might see a version of Chucky Hepburn that's better than the version we're seeing now. So this Badgers team is great, and they play, I think, above their weight class, and they play with a little bit of delusion. I think they think they, they're better than they are, which is a great trait. It makes them really fun to watch. They might be even better in a couple of weeks because I think Chucky Hepburn's improving. Lauren Bowman showed some really good things last night, and even Ben Carlson is our friend Vagabond John called in and told us about a few minutes ago. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Give me a text or give me a call. 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant as well. Schmidt on the north side says Chucky has clamps too on defense. Yeah, he... You don't see freshmen defend like that in the Big Ten. 
And Lauren Bowman, honestly, too, the way that some of these defenders and some of these high-level Badger recruits can get shaken off of their spot and instantly just come back in return. Like, you know the the punching bags? Uh, not the ones that you hang from the ceiling or from a ledge, but the ones that are on a stand and you punch it and it's got a spring and it comes back right away. That, that's how they defend. Like, you give a little ball fake or a little stutter step and... Chucky Hepburn might take a step back. He might, but he comes back so quickly. He just, he swings right back into position like a screen door that's really tight. You know, when you run outside and then the screen door comes, whap, comes back. It's just so resilient and quick in the way that they defend. Lauren Bowman last night, I was watching him too. I was like, wait a minute, where did this come from? And that might be what's most exciting about this Badgers team. Yeah, Johnny Davis is a blast and they're winning on the road. First time since 1963 that they've won at Purdue and at Michigan State in the same season. But I think we're going to see better versions of Lauren Bowman, Chucky Hepburn, and I think Tyler Wall's getting better with every game, too. And that gets my hopes up for what we could see maybe in a couple of weeks when the games really start to get fun uh, and we get into March Madness. Zach Heilprin dropped a new episode of The Swing, which is his Badgers podcast. He does it with Jesse Temple. I'd recommend you listen to it if it's up your alley. If you don't like college basketball and you like the Badgers, well, listen to something else. <laughs> listen to something you want to listen to. But if it's up your alley and it's your thing... Listen to it because they had a guest on to talk about computer modeling and computer programming and how these teams are ranked mathematically because the Badgers, I believe as of last night, what were they, 14? Yep, 14 visiting 17 Michigan State. So the human polls, the AP, the coaches polls, they have the Badgers up there quite high in the top 15. Now, if you look at Kempom, I believe they're 23rd as of today. I don't have the tab open in front of me, but the point is they're lower and they're behind teams that they've beaten like Indiana and Iowa. And I don't think Nebraska, I don't know why that was in the top of my mind. Again, I don't have Ken Palm in front of me. I I should have it open in front of me, but I I forgot. They're they're behind Arkansas, who's unranked, but they knocked off Auburn last night. That was a really fun game, by the way. They're 23rd in Ken Palm. Yep, I I found my little post-it note here. This team's 19-4. and and they're 10-3 and three in the Big Ten, they don't ever lose if they have Wall and Johnny Davis and everyone healthy and available, and yet some of these metrics and these models, they're just, they're lagging behind a little bit. And I think a big reason of that is because they've had a lot of close games. They're 11-1 and one in games that are decided by six points or less. And you hear this talked a lot about in the NFL, especially with gambling, or you're trying to model what a team might look like next season or the season after, if a team comes off of a season where they went 10 and six, like the Miami Dolphins or the Philadelphia Eagles, two great examples, teams that were borderline, barely playoff games, barely in the playoff picture. Well, you might look at their record and say, okay, they finished 10 and seven or 11 and six, uh, but over half of their wins were by one score. So were any of their wins really that impressive or did they get some fortuitous bounces they got some good breaks with injuries and scheduling and the you know penalty luck or whatever, turnover luck. And they maybe won a couple of extra games just because of good luck. And that's why they sneaked into the playoffs, right? We talk about this with football all the time. College basketball, more so in the computer programs and the rankings than I think in, in actual conversations. Like, I don't think you're going to tune into, I don't know, Gottlieb talks a lot about a college basketball, I guess, or Billis. I don't think Billis is going to rail on the Badgers on ESPN because they have you know, 11 wins decided by six or fewer points. I I think humans, not computers, but humans, our tendency is to say, well, that, that shows they're good in crunch time and they make their free throws and they don't turn the ball over, which for the Badgers, 
you'd be right. Now, there might be some luck baked in there as well. I think mostly the games that kill them in these rankings are Nichols and Illinois State. And they both played them in early December, and it was just Johnny Davis didn't play in one of those games. And those were games they probably should have blown out opponents and didn't. Now, what computer models don't always factor in, and Zach and Jesse talked about this on this episode of The Swing. You should go listen to it. What these models don't always factor in is when a player is missing, as Johnny Davis was in one of those games, or when a game happens earlier in a season when certain players aren't as good as they might be now. I think Chucky Hepburn is a better version of himself. Tyler Wall is better now than he was in December. I think Lauren Bowman is a better player. This is turning into the Lauren Bowman show. It's like this team is better than when they played Nichols and Illinois State. And I think if you lined them both up this week and they had to play those games, I think they would look differently. That's difficult to model in a computer program that ranked teams, right? I also think the Badgers, just because of the players that they have and the way that they play, are a little bit predisposed to playing in close games. You have a contender for a national player of the year. You have Brad Davison and Chucky Hepburn who are just locks from the free throw line. And that's a bad thing. We're supposed to penalize the Badgers for that. Now, what ultimately matters is how many wins that they have in the Big Ten, how many they have in the Big Ten tournament, and then in March Madness. And college basketball is the epitome of survive in advance. So if they make the Elite Eight, we're not going to look back and say, well, yeah, but they did it by a bunch of one-score games. Nobody cares. right? It's survive in advance. That's literally the expression. Wisconsin, speaking of the tournament and their resume and, and potential seating, they now have eight quad one wins and all of their losses are quad one losses as well and as of this morning I didn't know what that meant and I thought I was just going to joke about that on the show and then play it off and I said you know what no 2022 let's 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 improve personally let's learn so I looked it up and I did some reading basically what this boils down to is Wisconsin has beaten a bunch of good teams that have also beaten a bunch of good teams (laughs) this is the explanation of the quadrant system this first, this first sentence makes me laugh. The quadrant system is broken down into four sections. Never would have guessed. Never would have guessed that that's how that worked. Thank you. With the top two quadrants having the most importance. Quadrant one wins are those home games versus teams RPI ranked 1 to 30, neutral games 1 to 50, and away games 1 to 75. For example, a home win against a top 30 team would qualify as a quadrant one victory. Quadrant two Our wins at home against 31 to 75, neutral 51 to 100, and away victories 76 to 135. So to understand the quadrant system, we have to understand RPI. Uh, RPI ranks teams based on wins and losses and strength of schedule. I saved this quote from the NCAA's website because it made me laugh. This is what I, this is the quote. The opponent's winning percentage and the winning percentage of those opponent's opponents both comprise the strength of schedule metric. I don't, I don't know if I'm smarter or dumber or the same after trying to figure out what quadrants and RPI means. Basically, it's wins and losses. You're factoring in home and away, and you're factoring in the strength of schedule of the opponent that, that made up that opponent's record, right? So let's say the Badgers beat an opponent that's 12-1. and one. That's good. Let's say that 12-1 and one opponent has a really good strength of schedule. That's good. And let's say the Badgers beat them at a neutral site or on the road. All of that is going to boost the quality of that win. And as we've seen with the Badgers, they have eight quadrant one wins. Did you know the quadrant system, by the way, has four sections? Never would have known. It's not a (laughs) shocking. Give me a text or give me a call if you want to talk more about the Badgers. 608 
796-2558. Tweet me at Wisco Grant. Coming up next, I want to get back into the Bucks and talk about something that Dwayne Wade said at halftime. A lot of Bucks fans were pissed, and I just laughed it off because it's whatever, but I want to talk about it anyways. That's coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. On their level. I mean, I would have told you that before the game started. Do you think you can reach that level? Where they are right now? Um, I don't know. Do I think we can reach the level where Milwaukee is right now? Um, no. Is that what you, that what you want to hear from me? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you want to follow up? I will hope so, but right now, we no, we can't get to where they are right now. I mean, they're the defending champions for a reason. of LeBron James after the game last night. Uh, Lakers got Lakers got slapped around a little bit. LeBron got knocked around. AD got knocked around a little bit by the Bucks. It was really fun to watch. Last night was a treat. This is a treat. We watched the Badgers win at Michigan State. Then we watched Illinois and Kofi Coburn. They looked horrendous in the second half at Purdue, a place the Badgers won earlier this year. Maybe you caught the end of Arkansas. They knocked off number one, Oregon. Stormed the court. It was crazy. It was awesome. And then we got to settle in to watch Bucks lakers When all was said and done, because that game didn't start until 9. And that was a game that was a blast as well. The Bucks winning by 15, 131-16, the final score. I want to talk a little bit about this game in a bigger picture, because it's one regular season game, and the Lakers stink. Lakers aren't any good. This roster is, is bad. But what Giannis is able to do last night, I just, it blows me away. And we need to talk about it more. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Give me a call or give me a text if you want to talk hoops. 608-796-2558. You can tweet me. Follow me, too. If you're going to tweet me, follow me. All right? I don't want any ghost tweeters. We got to be we got to be boys on Twitter. So follow me, at Wisco Grant, and we can chat during the show uh, that way as well. Giannis last night taking a page out of Johnny Davis's efficiency playbook. Johnny last night was, I'm going to pull it up here because I don't want to get it wrong. Johnny was 8 of 11 from the field for 25 points, efficient and selective as they come. Giannis was that, but on steroids. 17 of 20 for 44 points. Uh, So a little bit more volume, a little bit more output, but uh, selection and efficiency keys to the night last night for Giannis and Johnny Davis, our basketball stars. I believe for the first time in a while, we're hearing from Dave and Monona. Dave, is that you? Welcome back. Yeah, I'm back from the dead. And I turn the radio on, and I hear some guy on the cross talking about men crossing their legs on yeah. Radio Row. And I'm yeah. going to myself, I don't care how dead I am. I go, I go. oh, my God. The man the man who wears turtlenecks has lawn parties, <laughs> you know, worries about his fingernails when he goes, you know, goes into woodshop class. And worrying about legs, men's crossing the legs. You know, I officially suspend. You have a lifetime suspension now. Okay. For you're other, worried for about other men, men crossing legs. Other right? men crossing their legs. Yeah, it's a weird look. Everyone's getting interviewed, and they got to pull their leg up to their chest. It's a weird look. This was also like a half hour and ago. Why didn't you call in then? And you're watching that instead of listening. Well, like I said, I'm not surprised. So I figured, you know, I had to come back from the dead for a while and. 
You know, I haven't talked since the Packers, you know, since uh, Aaron Rodgers, that fairy, once again for the 10th year in a row, just, you know, sucked it up and lost. You know, everybody blames special teams. No, hey, Rodgers, score more points. Yeah, I'm with you. Stop stop thinking of yourself. Everybody's blaming you had a block punt, you had a block kick. No, the Green Bay Packers lost for the 10th year in a row because of one man, one man who shoots his pie hole off every year. It's me, it's me, look at me. I want to get paid $50 million a year, and then guess what? Takes a dump when when, when when crunch time, you know, the biggest time of the year. So, no, I have my two cents on that. But You know, no, Dave, Dave, Bath- Dave, really quickly, you and I agree on that. Um, your boys in Madison, Ebo and Nelson, would, would probably not. Well, because Ebo is Ebo, Ebo plays up to whoever he's talking to. And, you know, <laughs> so Ebo doesn't, doesn't think for himself. If he's talking to one guy, he'll you know, he'll kiss his ass. The next guy will come on. Next guest will come on. So Ebo plays up to you know whoever the guest is. Oh, you know Nelson's funny. just you know Nelson's a Nelson's a robot. So you know he just <laughs> he's kind of like R two D two. You know you you know that Jeff what was that Jeff Ducks has the dummy on his lap. Jeff Dunham. You know, yeah. Yeah, you know, taco on a stick. Yeah. That's who Nelson is evil, you know. <laughs> but, uh, no, the Badgers, you know, I mean, I love great guards. The one thing that's going to kill them year after year yeah. is he doesn't make adjustments in crunch time. They can't stop dominant shooters. And when they, depending on who they play, you know, when, who they play, that's why they're going to lose. In fact, there'll be a Milwaukee. That helps. They're going to play, you know, probably home, you know, home court in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so that'll help, but no, I mean that's gonna kill him. But no, I mean I figured you know all the other callers who call on you kind of butter you up and you know smooth you your, your ego and touch you on the head and you know give you doggy treats. No, <laughs> listeners, men do not watch sports shows or worry about crossing the lengths. Hey, he, this is a guy that goes into the bathroom and sits down because he doesn't want to melt the ice. You don't know. You don't know anything about me. Get out of here. You don't know anything about me. Although you're, I mean, I mean, well, you were. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I don't. I don't disagree with your Badgers say completely. If they lose in the tournament, it'll probably be because they lose against a really good player who shoots the ball really well. That's normally how college basketball works. Yeah, but but, but the good coaches know how to take away. I mean, good coaches are going to take away Johnny Davis, and and without Tyler Wall, that team you know, that team does you know doesn't have a prayer because uh, good coaches are going to take away Davidson because he goes he goes, he goes Amber Alert once in a while. Oh yeah, they have let's face, they have no inside game and. You face a team, you know, Illinois just destroyed them, but you face a team in a tournament who's got an outside. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand why they don't zone or why they don't just once. Just, I mean, he'd, he'd rather have a, you know, I always had a philosophy. If you double team from five feet, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to score than it is from 25 feet or 20 feet. Sure. But he just put, that, that's the only Christmas I have my man guard. But All right. uh, someday, man, we're going to have to get you out and go, go, go clothes shopping because, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't I don't think, I, I wouldn't want to be seen with you in public. It'd be kind of an embarrassment, you know, with my slob. I mean, you, you, I mean I'd even make you look good with, 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 my, with, with the crap I wear. Dave, I'm a very stylish individual. I don't have my turtle. I just have a crew neck sweatshirt on today. It's got a beautiful cardinal. Not our state bird, but it's a beautiful bird. I got my red and white sweatshirt on See, today. Uh, the fact you had to use the word beautiful, it just, God help me, Lord. But <laughs> I had to call, like I said, I had to call, like I said, yeah, certain people know they know I'm sick. And uh, yeah. it's one of those days where I'm, I'm strong today, so it's like, uh, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna haunt Grant. So, oh, God, <laughs> I got to get you, I got to get you, a gift certificate for, you know, 
like a real men's hall store instead of Victoria's Secrets. Oh, my God. Well, Dave, I'm glad you're feeling a little bit better, and I know you've been under the weather, so feel better. We miss yeah. you on the show, and I'm glad you called, buddy. Thanks. All right, Jesse. I mean, uh, oh, for old time's sake. <laughs> Just hung up on me. It's been too long. Thank God we got Dave's take on the Packers, by the way. It only took two and a half weeks, or three and a half weeks. How long has he been? I don't know. I can't keep track. But, yeah, Dave, I... You're you're calling and you're screaming into the void about Aaron Rodgers. You're like that's what I what I said. That's what I was talking about after the game. So I'm not with you with the Greg Gard stuff. I, I don't know why everyone's always looking to rip on Greg Gard. They could win 20 in a row, and then on that 21st game, if they lose by three points, everyone wants Greg Gard fired. I, I think. Look, if the Badgers lose in the tournament, it'll probably be. I mean, look at Marquette a couple of years ago. That was a good Marquette team, and then they lost to John Morant. Not because they didn't react to John Morant or they didn't game plan for John Morant, but because John Morant's really good. And that's, that's just how college basketball works. Especially like like Frank Kaminsky can take over a tournament, right? We see one player who can just lead it. Steph Curry did it to the Badgers too. That's not because the Badgers weren't prepared for Steph Curry. That's because Steph Curry's so great and so good. That's just how college basketball works. So if the Badgers lose in the Sweet 16 because some transcendent college talent beats them because he has a great shooting night, that's, that's how college basketball works. That's structurally how the sport works sometimes. Ed is in Madison, uh, Dave's neighbor. Uh, I don't know in Monona, but somewhere down there. Ed, welcome to the show. What's up? Hey, bro. How's it going? Uh, going swell. We have two exciting basketball games to talk about today, so I'm happy. It, yeah, great to watch Badger listen. I really had a deep – I didn't have a very optimistic feeling as the game started taking off because you know how you go to the East Lansing and, and with, that, with the student sections on top of you. Yep. I tell you, I just had a feeling they were going to come out and just make us an example of raw meat, you know, for the yeah. taken. But, hey, they stepped up. I got to tell you, I want to touch on two points, mm-hmm. the game and something else. Um, Tom Izzo, you know, I, I don't, I've never really liked him in the past, but mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, I've grown to like him, and I liked him even more last night when he called out someone in that student section for saying some crap towards um davidson yeah he actually stood pointed at them and told them to shut up i found that you know you don't get to see that very often from a coach per no se. i didn't and catch I just that thought, man that was crazy. yeah i didn't catch that it was, it was crazy. did you did you see what i saw i i didn't catch it you know it was first or second half i saw johnny davis was making he was flashing the l to the student section on well, the way out of the gym which is funny yeah. he should have just kind of I, I kind of wish he wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Doesn't that I feel like, like that'll come back to bite us? Come back to the Big Ten I tournament? I don't know. I just think we should be better than that. And I would hope guard would say something to him. You know, that's we're better than that. But for Tom Izzo, he did do it. It was like in the second half. And it was um, probably with eight, nine minutes left in the game. And and um, anyway, it was just a classy thing. He likes Davidson, too, which I'm really happy. Because he, 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 he compared him to Cleves. Um, you know, and yeah. I kind of think, you know, that's kind of cool. Now, my second point I want to bring up, mm-hmm. and I got to give you a lot of credit. You took on a call here last week from a guy from Chicago, a Bears fan, and he actually talked to you like he's Mr. All-Knowing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to crap on him too heavy, but I got to tell you, I really thought you handled him really well. Oh. I'm sure you had. Maybe you were chuckling out of the one side of your mouth no. when he was trying to convince you of his points, and I just want to commend you. I, oh. 
I just thought you handled him really well. Do you remember that phone call? Yeah, I, I, I think I know who you're talking about. I'm not going to call him out by name, but I'm 90% sure I know who you're talking about. He called the other day, too. Um, I think he was I, – I think it – well, I will call him out. I think it was Jim in Madison, and I think he was talking about how – something about sports media and how football used to be more of a like a smash-mouth game, or it used to be more old school, and, and that's what he was talking about. Is it Was that the call you're talking about? Because that's what I'm remembering. I think so. Okay, I think yeah, so, but he Jim. sounded like he was from the – he says, I'm a Bears fan. Yeah. I remember yeah. that much, and um, and um, I don't know. I just found, found that, that he was sort of I, – I feel as a Packer fan, and he was sort of talking to us like he thinks that we shouldn't get rid of Rodgers and everything, and I don't know. Yeah. I have a whole different view on that. I'm not going to bore you with all the details because <laughs> they've been pretty much every point you can touch on about Aaron Rodgers. It's like the it's a, not a sweet Vidalia onion. It's a pretty stinky one no, um, at this point. And I just I'm done crying about it. Which I'm really not crying, but you know what I mean. It just kind of reeks. I, I'm just tired of it right now, and I want some closure. Yeah. No. And I th- I think we might get some. Or Rodgers said he's not going to drag this out. I. I'm not going to talk about anything that doesn't matter. So if we get rumors or whatever, I'm just I'm going to let it. be. I love that. Yeah, just let it be. I like your show. Listen to these other Madison talk show guys. Yeah. Um, after five o'clock, they they they're clueless. Hell yeah, <laughs> that's what we like. To, I don't know what shows you're talking about, but that's what I like to hear. That's well, I, I appreciate that. The name of the number and everything, but there's a couple wannabes here that just don't they don't get it. Oh, well, you know, I, 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 we, we don't need to get into it. But, Ed, first of all, I appreciate you just coming out of nowhere with the compliments today. I appreciate the call. Thank you. <laughs> well, I like your show. I, I've been I've been searching for someone like you to kind of be real. I appreciate Look at this. Ed, you're, you're one of my new favorite callers. I'm going to let you go, and we're going to talk more about the Badgers and the Bucks. I appreciate you. Thanks for giving yeah, time. You, me you bet, bro. Amen. That's Ed and Madison pulling no punches. Going after Jim, I think. I think he's talking about Jim. Um, Jim was just fired up that day. And by the way, I, I guess this is behind the scenes here, but I got a, I got a big spreadsheet with all the callers. I got all your info here. I got your socials. I got your names. I got where you're calling from. I have little notes. So, like, with Jim, I have it written down that he's a Bears fan because some some fa- some people will call in and they'll be like, well, I'm a Bears fan, so I'll write it down. I think he's talking about Jim. And, yeah, you're right. All the other shows on at this time suck, all of them. I don't know which ones you're talking about, but I know they suck. I know it's <laughs> I know it's not as good as this one. Let's address some of the points that Ed just made. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show with Badgers and Bucks talk coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Rams and the Bengals spoke to reporters here at Super Bowl 56. After 12 years in Detroit, quarterback Matthew Stafford has finally made it to the Super Bowl in his first year with the Rams. Is there anticipation? Is there excitement? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's what you dream of doing when you're a kid out in the backyard playing catch with your dad is, is uh, you know, going out there and getting a chance to play. Uh, in Super Bowl, so um, excited about that. The Rams were in the Super Bowl just three years ago, but lost to the Patriots 13-3. to Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald. We got a bunch of guys that have been here before um, that, that know what it's like to be at this point. And, um, we're going to do everything we can to win, so um, there's no pressure at all when you got a bunch of 
Um, dogs in the back that's ready to eat. The Bengals lost to the Packers in overtime week five. Cincinnati's rookie place kicker Evan McPherson says he learned a lesson not to celebrate too early after his 49-yard attempt bounced off the left upright. Being able to bounce back from it, you know, just leaning on my teammates, my family, um, my faith in, in that moment and just knowing that, you know, that's just one kick. It doesn't define me that, you know, the next one is the only one that matters. And the Bill Michaels Show is here broadcasting live all week from the NFL Super Bowl headquarters in Los Angeles. Former Packer A.J. Hawk was on the show saying he's been in contact with Aaron Rodgers. Are you just waiting for the phone to ring to say, okay, I'm ready to come back? I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah, he's, I was texting him earlier because he's out here. I don't know if I'll see him or not when he's out here. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I've said before. Because everybody around here yesterday was holding their breath thinking that he might show up today. Oh, really? To make an announcement. Oh, no. Um, I guess we never even we never even thought of that, having him come out here. Best NFL coverage. That's Mike Clements, his report. He's alongside Bill Michaels in L.A. Is it going to be a, a thing? Is it going to be an announcement on whether he's coming? But Does it have to be a there have to be a thing with like a platform and a big reveal. Doesn't really seem like Rogers seems like the kind of guy who would like that, but would say he doesn't like it and wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? So is he going to say something about it in his MVP speech? I don't, you know what? Who cares? We're talking about the Bucks and the Badgers. My name is Grant Bills. Last couple minutes of the Wisco Sports Show. Just I'm so glad for today's show because the last two days kind of felt like we were dragging. I just I don't know. A little bit of trade deadline stuff, but nothing crazy. A little bit of Super Bowl stuff, but I, I don't know. I don't have that much to say about the Rams and the Bengals. Today was great. Today was needed because we got to talk about a big Badger win, a great Bucks win, and Giannis just did Giannis things last night. He looked unreal. It was funny at halftime of the TNT show, Dwayne Wade at one point said, well, Anthony Davis is more talented than Giannis, but Giannis is the better player, and I... All of Buck's Twitter took that as some huge slight, and then it turned into a debate. And I'm just like, you know what? We got a championship. I don't have to care about crap like this anymore. I don't have to. I don't have to concern myself with the weird talking head that thinks Anthony Davis is better than Giannis. And that's not what Dwayne Wade said. But there's this weird contingent on Twitter that all believe that Anthony Davis is better than Giannis. And I just, I don't. I mean, do they own? Do they own TVs? Do they watch? Do they watch? I mean, if they watch games, I don't know how people think that. But yet there is this large group that still believes Anthony Davis is better than Giannis. Anthony Davis got his cheeks pounded for four straight quarters last night. The whole Lakers team did. Anthony Davis looked disengaged on defense. He was a step slow. I just, he was getting pushed around. Giannis on one possession deflected the ball away from him, blocked his shot, then stole the ball away from him on a fast break. Like I just, I, I don't know. The Anthony Davis Giannis discourse doesn't need to exist. It would be like having discourse around Patrick Mahomes and Mac Jones. It's like they're both good, I guess, in their own way, but why are we ever putting these two in a similar conversation? I don't get why we'd ever do that. I don't I don't get. It would be like putting the soy sauce next to the sweet corn in the grocery store. It's like, "Hey, they're both good and they're both useful. It's just they don't really these two things should not be compared ever." Giannis is that much better, but it was funny that I think Dwayne Wade knew what he was doing a little bit. He's like, hey, I'm going to say that uh, I'm going to say that Anthony Davis is more talented and Bucks fans are going to get all pissed and say, what did you say? Even though it, I don't know, it might be true. What does he mean by talented? Who cares? Giannis is better. So I'll, I'll take the better player. Thank you. Um, talented. I guess I, I don't really care. Last night was so fun. 
And it culminated with LeBron after the game being asked, you know, do you uh, do you do you do you think you can get to the point where the Bucks are? And he said no, which is basically LeBron's way of saying make a trade, please, by tomorrow because we're screwed. This Lakers roster is just not it's just not good. They have Anthony Davis and LeBron, but other than that, oh my God, this is a bad team. Trevor Ariza, Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk, who's starting. Wow. Stanley Johnson, Avery Bradley, Austin Reeves, Taylor Horton Tucker, Kent Bazemore, DeAndre Jordan, Wayne Ellington. Remember when people were actually really amped about the Wayne Ellington signing? And I'm like, this seems kind of seems kind of odd. I don't really know, but I, I guess people were fired up about it. I, whatever. The Lakers suck, but it was just fun to watch the Bucks beat them up and Giannis do Giannis things. Now we look forward to the trade deadline tomorrow and the Suns game tomorrow night. We'll talk about both of those things starting at four tomorrow. 